where you found us. Welcome to the Community Church Oxford podcast. We are so honored that you decided to join us. We hope that if you don't have a church home, that you'll find a church home that is a Bible preaching church. However, if you are just checking us out, we're honored that you would do that. We hope that you're encouraged by God's word today. You're also encouraged by the experience that you have through our podcast. If you want to find out more about us, you can check us out at www.communityoxford.com or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford podcast. And so therefore, Romans chapter 12 is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. And so therefore, I think it's important that we take our time in this. I know that some of you think that we should have taken more time in other chapters. And when you become the pastor and you get your own church and you're preaching the series, then you do that. Okay, Um, but um, no, in all seriousness, I wish that we could take more time. And I know some of you are saying, well, what is the rush? And I would say the rush is, is that we have got to get as much word into our hearts and into our minds and into our lives as possible. Because church, I am convinced that there has never been a time in the history of the world for the word of God to be learned and to be taught and to be shared uh, through relationships. And I'm so, so grateful that every single week as we open up God's Word and we dive into God's Word, that we are studying God's Word together. And so this morning, I'm just so grateful for us to continue our series, We Shall Live by Faith. Um, And um, Paul's letter to the Romans, as a way of reminder, I just want to remind you this morning that Paul did not write a letter in chapters, okay? Um, He didn't say, all right, in chapter 1 of this letter, in verse 8 of this letter, or in verse 16 of this letter, I'm going to say this or that. What he did was he wrote this letter, and then those who translated, because this is a New Testament text, the language was in Greek, and so therefore, or Aramaic, and so when they transferred it from Aramaic or Greek into English, what they did was is they put it into chapters and the verses. I do believe with all my heart this morning that we have come to the end of the first section of this letter in the, at the end of chapter 11, and we are beginning a second part of this letter in chapter 12. And what we're going to see this morning is, is we're going to go from pretty much doctrine to application. And I'll be real transparent with you this morning. I think lots of people know God's Word, but they don't know how to apply it to their lives. They quote lots of Scripture, but they don't know how to actually live it out loud in their life. And I know this morning the weight as a pastor and as a shepherd, I know the weight of what it must be like to stand before people in the midst of tragedy like we've seen this week and, and to think that i got to say something and, and i gotta, I got to share something and i got to give the people a word so that they can know God's comfort and they can know God's peace. And I am grateful this morning, church, that we have a God that is bigger than you and bigger than me, and he sees the whole picture. And I am so grateful this morning that God's picture is that God is all-knowing. Can I get an amen? Amen. True story, I'm sitting with my good friend Friday night at an Ole Miss baseball game. My buddy Superhand, he's with us this morning. His dad Jeff and I were sitting there, and we were talking about this one thought. We were talking about how as fathers, if we're not careful, we would mess it up. But thankfully, God sees the whole picture. He sees the beginning. He sees all through our lives. He sees the end. And what's so cool is, is God sees a panoramic view where we just see a snapshot. Are you seeing that? 
And so what we're going to see this morning when we dive into Romans chapter 12, verse 1, matter of fact, turn there if you will, and I want you to see a word. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, comma. Haley, if you don't mind, I want you to leave that up there this morning. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, and, and I want you to understand something, that I learned something through this study this week, that there is actually a symbol for therefore. It's three dots, okay? There's a dot at the top, a dot on the right, and a dot on the left. It makes a triangle, and when you see that sometimes in a sentence or you see that sometimes in writing, those three dots actually literally mean therefore, What many theologians have taught me and many commentaries have taught me is when you're in Scripture and you get to a verse like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, I appeal to you, therefore, you need to ask a question, why is the therefore, therefore? That's almost a tongue-tied statement there, but you have to ask yourselves the question, why is he saying therefore right there? Many commentaries, only a few actually, would say that I appeal to you, therefore, as a conclusion to go back and look at Romans chapter 11. More commentaries and more theologians would say to you that I appeal to you, therefore, in verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, that therefore is therefore for the whole 11 chapters of Romans up to this point. And I want you to think just for a minute about what we've learned in these first 11 chapters. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, you know what that says, church? In case you walked in here this morning and you had some pride in your life and you thought you were somebody and you thought you brought something to the table, oh, you're not, you're a sinner just like the rest of us. Welcome. It just means that at this church, we're not playing as if we got our junk figured out. We're being serious that we all got junk. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's what we learned in Romans 3.23. But you know what we learned in Romans 6.23? That yet while we were still sinners, what did Christ do? He died for us. He died for you. He died for me. And I understand that we got to chapter 9... And we kind of begin to wrestle with God foreknew and, and, and God predestined and God this and God that. But then we got to Romans chapter 10. And what did it say, church? Anyone who confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord will be what? Saved. Remember what we found out in Romans chapter 8? And have we not at any time in the history of our lives, church, needed to hear that God says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ? The past can't, the present can't, the future can't, life can't, death can't, the angels can't, nor can the demons. I don't know if you know this or not, but that is good news today. It's also good news that those who are called according to his purpose... He will work all things out for his glory. So preachers often get in the way of God. There's no way that I could have been smart enough, and I don't want to hear the little snickering out there. See, y'all did it anyway, even when I asked you not to do it. But I am convinced this morning that many of us in this room would think that we got to be the creator and we got to be creative and try to figure out how we're going to minister 
to God's people. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you know what God reminded me of this week, this week as I went through this tragedy? There is but one Jesus, and I am not him. Now, I can point people to Jesus, and I can love on people in Jesus' name the same way you can point people to Jesus, and the same way you can love people in Jesus' name. But hear me, church. We are not him. All we are is a tool introducing them to Jesus. And I am convinced this morning that what we're about to see, that we have been called to worship, and that which we worship will either point people to Jesus or point people away from Jesus. And oh, by the way, somebody told me this morning to bring it. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but Romans has been allowing me to bring it a lot because you don't need me to bring it. Romans is bringing it. So when you look at Romans chapter 12 this morning, I want you to understand that God's going to do far more than you and I will ever do. Amen? So I want to pray. And the reason I want to pray is because in our first prayer, Something that we've been doing weekly here now since the pandemic is we have been praying and asking God to protect us from this virus. We have been praying and asking God to take care of us during this virus. And so this morning, I just want us to pray that he would protect us from it. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, before I go a step further, forgive me, for I'm a sinner in need of your love, your grace, and your mercy. But Father, I have faith today that you are who you say you are. I have faith today that you're going to do what you said you would do. And so this morning, God, with faith, I ask you in Jesus' name to protect us from the virus. God, these people have come out in person to worship you together in your house today. And so, God, I'm begging you this morning to protect us from this virus. God, I'm begging you this morning to cause us to focus in on what it is that you want to say to us today. And sometimes, as we've already sung this morning, God, we know what you do with fear. But, God, I pray this morning for my distractions and those who are hearing me this morning, both in person and online, that those distractions would be eliminated and fear would be eliminated. And God, this morning, that we would lean in and focus on what it is that you have to say to us this morning. God, I love you. I am not worthy to stand before these people today, but God, you are the one that makes me worthy, not I. So God, do what you do. Show up, show out in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... So go with me to Romans chapter 12. We've already dove in, but now we're going to read the first eight verses, and then we'll come back and break it down. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of of your mind, that by testing, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Pick up with me in verse 3. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think 
of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with a sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So, though, so we, though, many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in the proportion in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in his generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So my prayer this morning is, is that we would take these 11 verses and that we would just break them open. Amen? I want you to see something here that I think is really cool. True story, I'm meeting with two of our officers this week after this accident. I'm checking on them. One happens to be a pastor as well as a law enforcement officer, and we're talking about the King James Version and all the other versions of the Bible, and I just want you to know I'm sitting there going, God, you're so good. You ever just say that to God? God, you're so good. Because I don't know if you know this or not, and, and I'm thankful for my brother's heart. Zach and I was talking, and Zach just simply looked at me, and he said, look, man, he said, we can agree to disagree. We're not going to argue over this. But what we're going to say is, is that God's word is important. Amen? And I didn't tell Zach this, but as I was studying this week, the King James Version in verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers. In the ESV, which I use, says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. And you know what beseech actually means? Appeal. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Church, I don't know if you know this or not, but when you see, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that Paul is more or less begging the Romans. When you see God's goodness, when you see God's favor, when you see God's love, when you see what God has given you, when you finally come to a realization of what God did for you, there is only one response. So Paul, writing here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Now he is making a connection between those who most likely are believers in Rome, who grew up in a Jewish background, who had an understanding of the Old Testament sacrificial system, and he's saying, hey, check this out. What I wrote you up to this point in this letter is good stuff. But I want you to know, you can't just have knowledge of who God is. you got to apply that knowledge into your life. And as you apply that knowledge into your life, something has to happen. Have you ever begged anybody for something? I mean, have you ever appealed on behalf of another? Another? 
I know we got some lawyers in the house. That's not the kind of appealing I'm asking about. Some of us have done the unthinkable to other people in our lives. And we have literally got on our knees and we have begged them for forgiveness. Some of us have been caught in the act. And I'm concerned that our being caught in the act had nothing to do with our forgiveness. We were just so afraid that when we got caught that the person who caught us might actually kill us. So therefore, all of a sudden, we're appealing and begging for mercy. Church, this is a different kind of appealing and begging, but it's almost in the same light. The difference is, is we're not dying, we're actually living. We're not fighting to live because of what Christ has done, what we've learned in the first 11 chapters of Romans up to this point. We have been reminded that the only way we can have life is through the mercies of God. The only way we can have an identity at all besides ourselves is Christ has got to be in front and we got to be behind. That's the reason we are unashamed of the gospel because it is the salvation for the Jew first but also for the Greek. Church, what it is saying is is that, hey, check this out. When you understand what God has done for you, there is but one response and it is for you to cry out in worship. But here's the problem, church. Too many of us in this room think that worship comes without a price. That worship comes without a price. Like we come and all we do is we just sit and we stand and we sit and we stand. And look, I hear your jokes. Man, at community church, all we do is stand. Well, if you don't want to stand, sit down. Why we got to sing songs that sing the same verse 14 times in a row? Because we didn't get it the first time we sang it. (laughs) Why we use all them instruments instead of just using an organ or a piano or a violin? I don't know. I guess because these are the ones that we got talented enough to play these things. Because I don't know if you know this or not, God doesn't need an instrument to bring praise and worship into our lives. And for us to bring praise and worship in our lives to him, we don't need instruments. And it's probably a good thing because most of us don't know how to play them anyway. And I know I can't sing. You're going to have to talk to God about if you can or not. But I'm thankful that the psalmist says, bring a joyful noise to the Lord and make sure you understand that. It didn't say joyful in your opinion. The point that I'm making is, is this. Is praise does not come without sacrifice. In the Old Testament, you know what they did? They would bring offering after offering. Sometimes a calf, sometimes a lamb, sometimes a a turtle dove, sometimes grain. But you know what they brought every time they brought it? Or what they were supposed to bring, but they messed that up too? They were supposed to bring the best. I want to ask you a question this morning, church, as I ask myself the question, what we bringing? Because you know what we do most times? Hey, man, somebody tell him it's almost 10 o'clock. Uh, um, hey, hey, man, uh, why does the bathroom smell like a middle school? Because we're in a middle school. 
Like we don't think about what we have to bring to the table, but how dare us think that we brought more than he brought. That's why Paul is begging and appealing to them here in Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices. And then we get real nervous because we know the Old Testament. You remember what happens to sacrifices, right? They die. So we're like, uh, hey, uh, I got a guy that, that lives in my neighborhood. Can I offer him as a sacrifice? Because in our whole homeowners association, he's always commenting on the Facebook page about this problem and that problem. Can we sacrifice him? Some of you got bosses. I know some of you ain't going to admit it today because you're sitting next to him. Some of you got spouses and children that you're like, let's sacrifice them. But when it comes to sacrificing ourselves, we're like, whoa, wait a minute. I'm a little hesitant of that. Church, can I tell you something this morning? Probably the reason that most of us truly don't experience worship to the fullest is because we're holding on to that which is not ours to hold on to. And God is saying, let go and let God. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God. And then we let that be our hiccup. We're like, man, hey, I can offer myself as a sacrifice, but I'm not holy. You're holy not because of who you are. You're holy because of whose you are. God made you holy. Christ made you holy. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. I wish you could see what I see sometimes. Some of you feeling it in worship, but you don't know how to let it go. You'll be sitting there and you'll be kind of rocking. And like me, you ain't got no rhythm, okay? And you're trying to figure out how to do it. But the problem is you're trying to do it on your own instead of letting the Spirit move through you. Some of you want to lift your hand kind of like this. And then some of you all out. Can I tell you something? It's not about what you're your, your actual body position is in worship. It's about what your heart is in worship. But if God's telling you to let it go, then you got to let it go because guess what? This is your spiritual worship. Romans 1, 12, 1 says. But you know the only way we can do that, church? Look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Some of y'all that have been with us for, from the beginning, do you realize this is the first sermon that I ever preached at Community Church was Romans 12, 1 and 2? And I remember it like it was yesterday. I talked about when I was a kid, I loved the Transformers. And I loved how you could transform it from a truck into a robot or you could transform it uh, in, from a jet into a, a robot. And, and, and look, man, it was so, so cool. And a buddy of mine was telling me just this week as I was meeting with him, he said, uh, I was going through some of my old stuff from when I was a child, and he said, I came across some of my toys, and my mom was so uh, gracious to keep some of my toys, and he says, I got a little boy now, and he said, my little boy was out at, my, at our cabin where, my, where I put that stuff, and he found my old toys, and he was over there playing with my transformer, and he said, I was just so afraid that when he touched my transformer, and he saw that it transformed from a, a truck into a, a robot, that he was going to break it, and he said, but I remember when he started messing with it, when, when, when you flipped up the hood of the truck, that the face came out, and, and when you took the wheels of the back, it became feet, and he said, man, it was just a reminder, and church, what I want you to understand is 
is that too often in our lives we forget about what we used to be and what we are now because God transformed us from something that was not necessarily great, but God has transformed us into something that is really great, not because of us, not because we changed our address or we changed our identity, but we changed our hearts, and it was God who transformed us from the inside out. It was God who did the transformation, but here's the reality. You have to make a decision. Are you going to be transformed by the renewal of your mind, or are you going to continue to be conformed by what the world says? And here's what I'm convinced of. On Sundays, we all about transformation. But on Mondays, we go right back into being puppets. We go right back into being conformed to what the world says we're supposed to say about this or say about that. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but Facebook is not the gospel. And Google is not the truth. There's got to be a transformation of the heart. And there's got to be a change of our mind. And when that happens, church, can you hear me? Worship begins to break out. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And this is something that is asked of me every single day of my life. Pastor, what is God's will for my life? Fish, what is God's will for my life? Fish, what does God want me to do with my life? Fish, what is God's plan for my life? And church, I want you to hear me. If you don't hear anything else I got to say, hear what Paul says to the Romans in Romans chapter 12. He's saying, check this out. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And here's what I want you to see this morning. If you want to go God's will, then you got to know Jesus. And if you know Jesus and you're loving people in the name of Jesus and you're serving people in the name of Jesus. You don't have to ask what God's will is. You slap dab in the middle of it. Amen. But, but, but what am I supposed to do? I don't know if you know this, but if we would do less and God would do more, God's will would be completed a lot quicker. If we would do less and let God do more, God's will would be fulfilled quicker. So Paul doesn't just leave us there. Pick up with me in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Mm. I love how Paul says this. Like if you have a conversation with somebody and they say, bless your heart, but what I'm about to tell you is going to hurt. That's like them saying, hey, look, I'm about to drop down some knowledge on you and it's going to hurt, but I'm asking God to bless you with what I'm about to give you. When Paul breaks out and says, for the grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, what Paul is saying is, hey, look, God said it to me, so I'm going to say it to you. So by the grace given to me, I I remind you, don't think of yourself more important than what you think you are. I was already studying this text before Thursday. 
For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of him to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has been assigned, has assigned in church. Here's what I want you to see. Person after person, conversation after conversation after this tragedy on Thursday, I had people going, fish, I just don't understand, fish, I don't understand. And this is what I kept reminding them. For some reason, God chose to let you live another day because you have a purpose. And church, I don't know if you know this or not, but that's because of grace. Every single breath you and I take is a gift of grace. The question now is, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with that gift? Well, the first thing we ought to do is what this scripture says. We got to think with sober judgment. And some of you are thinking about alcohol or drugs. Man, I just wish that was the only thing that got in the way of our sober judgment. Our identity, our bank accounts, our addresses, our singleness, our marriedness, our childless, or we want more children. There are so many things that get in the way of our sober judgment. But he doesn't end there. He says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For if, if for as in one body we have many members, and members do not all have the same function. Church, can I tell you something? It is so beautiful to see the body each doing its part. But you got to be willing, and you got to sacrifice to do your part. My son had the privilege of making a high school baseball team this year. He's a 10th grader, so he's playing JV mainly and got to watch several ball games yesterday. And got to be honest with me, man, with y'all, our doors were clicking on all buttons yesterday. Ball hit to the shortstop. He fields it. He comes up, makes beautiful play, double play, running and catching the ball. Man, we're everything that comes across the plate, we're smoking it. But I saw two other teams that when they didn't operate as a team and they didn't function the way they were supposed to function, just simple little pop-ups that most anybody could catch, they're not catching them. Little tosses from the pitcher to the first baseman, missing the catch. I'm talking about balls right down the middle, couldn't hit it if they had a bat this big around. I'm telling you, when you don't function the way God has called you to function and made you to function, you'll miss every time. But when you understand that anything you got is, a, is, is but a gift from God, and you use it as a gift of God, and I'm not talking about just baseball, I'm talking about life. It is absolutely amazing, church, how God will bring it all together for His glory and His fame. So as we close out, I want to read these verses over you this morning because I think they're self-explanatory. For as one body, we may have many members, and members do not all have the same function. So we, so we though, many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Church, what that says to you is, I need you and you need me. Can't do it by ourselves. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Hey, church, I don't know if you know this or not, but you have a different gift than I got. And the only reason that you have a gift and I have a gift is called grace. Because all of us don't deserve to do anything 
in God's family, in God's kingdom. But he's given us gifts, and it says, each doing it according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in the proportion of, to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And this morning, wouldn't it be pretty cool that we would find ourselves at the table of communion this morning? Haley, I'm going to ask you to put verse 1 back up there for me. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Hey, if you're here this morning and you don't have this, if you'll just raise your hand. All right, we'll get some to you. They'll get them to you. Keep your hands up. I know that. I know you feel like you're in class. They're going to get them to you. There's a lot down here, Brian. But here's what's really cool about this. Is the same way that Christ offered himself as a sacrifice for you and for me. We ought to be willing. We ought to be willing to offer ourselves as sacrifices to others. So here's what I want you to see this morning. If you're a believer, you're invited to this table this morning. That means you put your faith and trust in Christ. You know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You, you are a follower of Jesus. You, you, you have faith in Christ. You're invited to this table. If you're here today and you don't acknowledge yourself as a believer, this would make absolutely zero sense for you to do this. You know why Paul is able to write to the Romans about sacrifice? And number one, because Paul has personally experienced the sacrifices he's had to make himself. But more importantly than that, he has experienced the full gospel of Jesus Christ. He has experienced the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. He knows what the sacrifice looks like. Do you? Because as much as we want to partake of communion this morning, if you don't know Jesus, then you need to experience the sacrifice which was given on your behalf. And once you do, when we come to this, you won't do like I did so often when I was a kid. You get all somber and all, oh my goodness, I'm afraid about this. You would get into a celebration mode. Like you would break out in praise. Like we're getting to come to the table and we're getting to be reminded again that God's body was broken for me, that God's blood was shed for me. Look, you mean to tell me we're going to get to celebrate that again today? Oh yes, God. Yes, let's do that. Oh yes, God. Let's remember what you did for us because you gave all for me. May I give all for those around me. And the scripture says on that night before Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he looked at his disciples and said, this will be the last time I eat of this meal. And he simply said this, this is my body. And the scripture says he lifted it up to heaven and he said, Lord, bless this bread. And every time they eat of it, may they do it in remembrance of me. And so God, I pray you bless these wafers. 
And may we eat of this this morning. May we do this in remembrance of you. And the scripture says when he said amen, he looked at him and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat in remembrance of me. On that same night, he took a chalice instead of a pod. And he lifted it up to heaven and he looked at his disciples. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. And the scripture says that he asked God to bless it. So this morning, God, I ask you to bless this cup and everyone who drinks from it. May they be reminded this was your blood shed for them. And then he looked at his disciples and he says, for this is my blood which was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, church, worship is not just something that happens on Sunday morning. Worship is how we live our lives. But worship so often is expressed by what we do in this place. May we worship in such a way as a time of response this morning that it leads us to worship him every single day this week. Will you, will you stand with me? Father God, as we come to this invitation this morning, God, I ask you and I beg you in Jesus' name that our worship would be real, that our worship would be pure, that our worship would be true. God, if there's someone here today that doesn't know the hope and love of Jesus Christ, God, that they run to this altar this morning because if we have seen anything this week, we see how precious life is and we're not guaranteed anything but today. God, I beg you this morning, in Jesus' name, God, that if there's someone that's watching by TV and they don't know the hope of Christ, God, that they would give themselves to the hope of Jesus today. And God, if there are believers in this room that have not been living up to their end of the bargain, that they have not been extending grace to others, if they've not been serving because of the grace that you've given us, if they've been thinking of themselves higher than they ought to, God, that they would humble themselves today and return back to your feet because the greatest place that we can offer sacrifices and the greatest place that we can worship is bowed down at your feet today. So God, may we build our lives on the rock of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in the name of the one we want to be like when we grow up. And all God's people said... My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.